ingredients that are highly nutritious, climate resilient, that are resource efficient, and also tasty at the same time. I don't think it's because insects are cheap. The insect protein flowers it's cheaper, but it's it's certainly more sustainable, but it's not super there cheap. There are the big players like soy, up-and-comers like potato, pea, lentil, insect, and then there are some that are... What the... Broadcasted from Silicon Valley, the most innovative spot on Earth. Corporate, the place for corporate executives that transforms innovative threats into business opportunities. And now, let's get ready to rumble with the host, Tommaso. Top floor where we handpick two startups to discuss how to future-proof uh, the market of food and uh, specifically alternative protein, next-gen uh, protein. We are already in our season two and uh, we have 10 episodes with, with Top Floor and who is following us knows or might know that we also have the other format which is called Virtual College, Virtual uh, Coffee, which is a panelist format where we have also 10. So today, which actually our, our 20th episode which is exciting um congratulations also to our team so today we have picked two um startups uh, to present their sector specific innovation to a jury of industry uh, fellows and let's kick off also things by introducing actually here jeff banas jeff a biochemist with extensive experience in enzymes dna molecular research with co-founder at Sun Coast Naturals, an inventive food ingredient company that produces clean, natural, healthy, and sustainable next-gen protein ingredients. Jeff, actually, welcome back on our episode. Thank you. It's great to be here. Appreciate it. And we have on the other side also presenting his startup, Ravi Shankar, Shankar, co-founder of Asia Insect Farm Solutions and Plento. Um, a groundbreaking initiative in the next-gen protein space that is setting itself apart in the world of snack by mixing both plant-based protein and insect protein packed with nutrients, vitamins, and minerals. Ravi, so great to have you back again. Likewise, thanks, thanks for inviting me. And last but not least, on the other side of the table, as an industry fellow, the peer of mine here based in Silicon Valley, it's actually always interesting, Ron, you get off stage or I get off stage and we meet, it, meet each other. And this happened actually a couple of times, right? And then right. A, a year or two, a year, I think ago, we said, hey, wait a second, let's actually formally introduce each other. And, and here we are building our relationship. So good to have you today on our, on our top floor. And as a welcoming back, you, um, Ron, for who doesn't know him, he's scientist, advisor, and investor in food tech. Um, Alex Venture Capital, Innovative Healthcare, Symbio, and Sequencing uh, Platform. These are uh, some of the deals and some of the startups he's involved with. And also before kicking off things, thanks to our partners, Awesome Ventures, the CVC as a service, for corporations that want to dig into CVCs that might need some help, they want to consider Awesome Ventures, Old Silicon Valley, the Transformative Innovation Institute. And without further ado, I would like now to hand over the screen to Jeff, Jeff Banas, um, that will introduce within the next eight to 10 minutes, Sun Coast 
natural and how are they trying to change the world? Well, Jeff, please take it from here. Thank you for the introduction. I appreciate it. As Tommaso uh, mentioned, we are a natural, healthy ingredient company. We are a food tech company that focuses on sustainable ingredients and proteins. Most importantly, uh, we are a natural, Suncoast Naturals is founded by uh, a number of individuals that have long-standing experience in biotech, proteins, and food ingredients. We're entering the market with unique and patentable proteins that the market actually hasn't seen before. So when people talk about alternative proteins and healthy eating, they think about plant-based. And plant-based is, of course, right now, very big. There are the big players like soy. There are up-and-comers like potato, pea, lentil, insect. And then there are some that are kind of fallen by the wayside, like algae. Uh, when we look at plant-based proteins, we see the market leader, soy, having you know, some, I'll say, challenges as they become more widespread in food ingredients. Uh, for instance, growing allergenicity. And a lot of healthy eaters are contrary to GMOs. Pea, which has been a, an exciting up-and-comer, uh, also has a couple challenges, especially in the taste arena where you have an astringency that uh, lingers in, in, uh, on the tongue after you have a, a pea-based protein uh, alternative, for instance, in a burger or in a soup or something like that. Uh, spirulina is a recognized superfood and has been really left by the wayside except in the health crowd where people are more than willing to put it in shakes and smoothies. Uh, however, it hasn't really gained mainstream attention because of its color and its flavor as well. If you've ever had spirulina, which is a blue-green algae, you'll know that it tastes like fish, it smells like fish, and it's very green. So if you ever wanted to put this in a consumer product, you face some serious challenges. That's where Suncoast comes in. We've taken our expertise and we've taken the spirulina, the superfood, and transformed it into a product we called SpyPro, which is a neutral taste, odor, and color protein isolate. And it's the first in the market. You will not find this anywhere else, at least as, as far as we've looked. During that process, we also produce a natural blue colorant used in the ingredient industry uh, that we call SpyPro. Uh, Fibro is a, I'll show you as well, is a growing market for natural blues where people are trying to get away from synthetic colorants in their food. Spipro itself, uh, we've uh, done the research. As far as we can tell, it is the most sustainable protein in terms of minimal land usage, minimal water usage, and even so far as to say it can grow on non-farmable land with brackish water. So you don't even need high quality land to farm. We're posing it to be a premium offering in the market because of its unique properties. Uh, we judge a number of properties such as extrudability, which is a very big one, but most important in the alternative protein market is taste, flavor. Taste is king in the food market. And that's where a lot of plant proteins face challenges is in their taste profile. FIPRO, which is our secondary co-product, is already an FDA-approved colorant with a growing market as people seek out more natural colorants to add to their foods. Uh, ours, of course, is all natural, sugar-free, 
and actually has better dissolving characteristics than the competition. And although it is an established market, because of our processes, we can make some serious inroads based on competitive pricing and superior characteristics. So the global market, I don't have to explain anyone watching on this channel how big the growing alternative protein market is. Pea and canola, you can see, are growing at a CAGR of 16 and 13% respectively. And even traditional protein like whey is still experiencing strong growth. On the natural blue colorant side, we're also looking at an excellent expansion all the way up to 2025, where we expect this market to exceed uh, 350 million. So one of the unique propositions about Suncoast Naturals is that we plan to get our first commercial plan up and running within 24 months. And this is how we're going to do it. We already know how to make the protein. Now, since we already know how to make it, all we have to do is scale it up. Now, I know that sounds simple, but that's where a lot of companies face challenges. So we're going to do stage approach where we start manufacturing samples to get customers that we have previously shown interest in this product to reevaluate it coming out of Suncoast and sign letters of intent or offtake agreements to uh, essentially sell out our first 50-ton plant, which we expect to build, as I said, in less than 24 months from our initiation. From there, we're going to uh, expand up to a 2,500-ton plant, uh, which will then make a significant impact in the market. 50 tons in the ingredient market is nothing. Our five-year plan to get up and running in the commercial market. Our co-founders, uh, I'll introduce them to you, myself, of course. I'm a protein chemist, a biochemist, analytical chemist that's done for 20 years. Uh, we also have Rick, who brings his food and protein launch experience from ADM and other food industries, and Kwong, who is our financier and lawyer extraordinaire. Uh, he's been in multiple startups. He's been involved in multiple investment rounds and raises as well. And we also have two advisors. Uh, Scott is our key into the market. He's been in the food and ingredient market so long, his Rolodex, if people remember Rolodexes, uh, could probably fill the Encyclopedia Britannica. And he's been helping us quite a bit in reaching out to customers. As of right now, we are in our fundraising. Our first plant is expected to bring in uh, both positive revenue, but also positive uh, profits. Uh, we are, have already calculated our COGS, our SGNA. Uh, we have detailed financials for those that are interested, but the breakdown is, is that as soon as we build that 50-ton pilot plant, we expect to be cash positive. Our second plant is posed to uh, be more expensive, of course, but also bring in additional revenue uh, of up to 60 million. The second plant focusing on SpyPro only, whereas the first plant will manufacture both SpyPro and SpyPro. So where we are right now is we are starting our angel round where we're offering equity in the company as well as uh, board seats or information rights to be negotiated. Uh, we're looking at a $750,000 round right now, which will start up our, our operations, will allow us to start filing our patents, which many we have written already, we're ready to file them. And most importantly, we'll be able to get the equipment to generate samples and get them in the hands of customers so we can lead to the offtake agreements. We're then gonna move on to what we call a seed round, 
um, which could be debated as a series A, but we'll call it C, uh, where we're actually going to then raise money for design of the 50-ton plant and a building of a pilot plant, which would allow us to go from um, you know, maybe a pound of protein a week to 50 or 60 pounds of protein a week, which a lot of companies require so that they can do large-scale extrusion. Uh, they're typically looking for, you know, sometimes 500 pounds to work with. And so moving from seed to Series A, Series A is then when we are able to build our 50-ton plant with those offtake agreements or letters of intent in hand. I can tell you our past conversations, we've had distributors that are interested in buying out the capacity of the first plant just for themselves. So the interest has been very high. Like I said, we're not a traditional food tech startup in that we're not actually going after the consumer market. We're actually going after those that make the innovative products that then go to consumers. So, so things like an Impossible Foods, Beyond Meat, those types of companies are who we're going to target with this unique protein offering that they'll be able to, in some cases, drop into their formulation and improve the taste right off the bat. That leads to less masking ingredients, that leads to less processed foods, which again is one of the new growing trends amongst this movement, and that is to have a less processed food intake. So uh, with that, I, I appreciate the time, Tommaso, and it, as I said, it's great to be here on top floor to share the information about Suncoast Naturals. I'm looking forward to speaking with anyone who who is interested in hearing more and having a discussion with the team. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. You are like a like a Swiss watch, ten minutes or to the second, right? So congratulations <laughs> on your endeavor, and congratulations also in uh, in the details you are expanding upon. Um, Ron, what are your thoughts? Questions for, for yeah. Jeff, Jeff. That's great. I think there's a, the deck is very obviously very complete, but I think that there's a few things you could have focused in a little bit more. Um, you know, uh, show and not tell is always an important thing to do in a pitch. And so, you know, when you brought the vial of protein out, you know, I'm just thinking to myself, why isn't that in the deck? You know, if you actually already have your product, that's an important piece of information. Um, what another piece of information that we were just starting to get to on the last slide was why this product is desirable what's its cost of goods compared to the competitors that you have. It's hard for me to believe that you're gonna compete cost-wise with soy, for instance. And so since you don't talk about it, I kind of assume that you don't, you know? And so it's important to like, it's important to get your message out. Wh what you're selling and why people are buying it is probably more important the fact that you can build a, a 50 ton plant. Uh, I also wonder if, I was all, do you, does your, do your, do your raises include the cost to build the plant? Cause it seems pretty cheap. $3 million to build your first plant plus all other expenses. 3 million is the design of the plant and the building of the pilot plant. There would be an additional raise of uh, 12 to 15, either by raise or by debt. Yeah. For so you're going to build your pilot for three, including designing and then paying everybody's salaries as well as starting to initiate sales. Uh, you know, Okay, that's great. I, but you know, if you happen to be off by, say, an, one of a zero or something, then like, you know, you could you the, you could end up doing a down round. So, uh, explaining why you're so extraordinarily cheap with the plant could be an important part. You know, credibility on these pitches is important. You guys are very professional, senior people. So, but we can't just give you credit that you thought you're with through all these numbers if you won't talk about it. So. 
it's important to sort of like look at the credit, look at like, am I really supporting the numbers and everything that I'm giving while you give the deck out? You know, it's uh, it, it could sound like a great value, but it could also just be, you know, just cheating the numbers down. I don't really, you know, it's hard to say. So that's important when you're, as you go on, continue to pitch and raise, but it's a really nice product. Would love to see more about actually what you're producing. Great. Thank you for um, that. Well, yeah, awesome. Thanks for the, for the feedback. I didn't mind to interrupt. Please go ahead. Uh, no, I wanted, I wanted to let Ravi also talk. <laughs> I, I, do you, you know, if I have more time, I, I can go on, but. Uh, I, yeah, I you, do, you, you do. Actually, actually I want to throw in also a question, Jeff. Why is it that spirulina hasn't been really uh, tapped into? What's the challenge? I mean, why, what are you guys doing differently or why are others not considering that yet? You said it, it's still not compared to others, is it because of the cost or, or, or why? why well, what's the main reason? Well, there, there are people looking into algae to use as a protein. Some are taking the genetic engineering route, some are taking the fermentation route, um, which are of course more costly. You know, in a nutshell, I'm not sure why no one has thought of this yet. I can tell you that the challenges in getting the green color out of it have, were significant and we had to overcome them in some very creative and ways. So that may be a big stepping stone. There, there are certain processes that if you don't do them exactly the way we've discovered to do them, you won't get a product of that color. So I'm, you know, I'm thinking technical challenges as well as people are already looking at biotech routes, which of course are, are more sexy usually. Which is which is great on one hand because it increases the barrier of entry, right? I mean, is is this also you were mentioning uh, patents and food patents are, are are pretty challenging, more on the ingredient side, it's common, right? What what I mean without going obviously into details, right? But uh, what is the line of reasoning there? How are you guys approaching it? What what makes you confident that you actually will get a patent, uh, uh, and is it worth filing that patent at that stage? Uh, well, because we're targeting first off uh, process patents process and technology. So, because you are correct, it's, it's difficult to patent in the food and ingredient world, the actual material or the actual uh, product. So we are focusing on the patents that will allow us to make this, which will stop other people in their tracks and trying to duplicate it. I see, I see, I see. No, very interesting. Um, and my last, my last question that I had regarding um, your, you go to market at, at the very end, you said, well, you know, our intention is to serve that specific target audience. And as a startup, you, you always do sales, right? You always do business development, customer discovery, right? I mean, how, how, what, what kind of conversation have you been having nowadays? How are they interacting? What's the, what's the, what's the, uh, what's the engagement level? Give us a, a bit of a nuance, how the market is embracing what you're presenting there. Sure. We have another, uh, we have a number of major food and coloring houses interested in the, uh, the blue, the five pro our natural colorant, uh, especially because they're seeking domestic sources these days. Secondly, uh, in terms of the protein, we've had great interest from not only food and ingredient distributors, but directly from food companies, the companies that do make products. Uh, as a matter of fact, really what is the next step is getting the new sample into their hands, because what I showed you in the vial is the last of what we have, unfortunately. But they, they are interested in getting their hands on uh, mass amounts of it so that they can experiment with it. They can put it in their food. They can see what properties it has and how they fit into their processes. 
So there's been a lot of excitement because this is a protein that so far nobody has and nobody can offer. And they recognize the first mover advantage. Nice. Uh, do, you, yeah, do you have uh, any, any further question, uh, Ron, uh, for, for Jeff? Well, yeah, I guess, uh, I, I guess the real thing is uh, if you have interest, you know, as soon as you can convert that into some documentation that they're, you know, they're going to give you pricing, that they, that they would definitely take samples that you make. I mean, it's going to really move you faster. You know, the funding can go really slow without those things. And so waiting for your pilot plant to get started to be giving out samples is also probably, you know, hopefully not your plan, right? Uh, people. Yeah. The, the initial angel round will allow us to make samples on a small scale and get them into the hands immediately. Mm -hmm. That's great. That, that's great. It is, it is a good point to, to talk about your patents and what you have patented. It's really hard to show people that your patents are blocking other people from making the same product though. I mean, uh, and so it's hard to be strong there, but it's important to mention that you have them. I think you did though. Yeah. Thank you. And, and are you guys, based on those conversations that you have uh, with, with potential partners slash customers, have, uh, has anybody uh, signalized any interest of joining your initial round? Uh, of, I think, what was it, a, a 750 or under a million, I, I recall. We have had those conversations. There are a couple country companies uh, that are considering it. Of course, uh, many of them have tightened their belts right now in, in the current situation. But there are certainly people that uh, were uh, in serious discussions with us about what type of strategic partnership could be, uh, mm. could be enjoyed there. And you guys, you guys, in terms of the strategy of building of building your startup out, are you focused on on strategics or or, or traditional VCs? What are your thoughts on, on on the strategy on the strategy side for that? Our strategy actually, we're going after both. Of course, the the VCs who are interested in seeing a product and seeing a social media following, clamoring for the product, are not our target audience. We're certainly looking for investors and strategics that are looking at the long-term play here because this is not something that's going to blow up overnight. It takes time to build plants and, and get your distributors uh, in line. So definitely people that are the strategics, they understand that. And we're looking for VCs investors who also understand that. Well, and with that, Jeff, thank you so much, Ryan. You heard it, guys out there, executives, corporations, looking for strategics that understand the long-term picture. And now the executives say, well, well, how do I do my, my quarterly numbers? Well, the best short-term strategy is always, especially around innovation, a long-term plan, right? And Jeff might be part of this uh, plan with the Sun Coast Natural. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. And uh, we are now switching over to uh, Ravi Schenker, co-founder of AJ Insect Farm Solution at Plento. Plenty. I'm very curious, Ravi, um, to hear what you guys are up to, um, how you guys are different, right? And, and actually where you guys stand, how much evidence do you guys have that it's just not just another alternative protein, next-gen protein startup, but, you know, how do you want to make this big? Please, uh, the screen is all yours. Uh, before I kick off uh, talking about my company, since uh, the interests uh, of those who are here 
is purely going to be in food tech. I thought it would be very good to start with this report from the UN, right? So it is called the uh, the FA the FAO uh, sorry the state of food security and nutrition in the world, and uh, as I was going through it, I found it very insightful to many things that I'll be talking about in my presentation today, right? Okay, firstly, one of the uh, information I gleaned from this report is that two thirds of the global population will be living in urban communities by 2050. This, this shows that uh, we are moving towards uh, a world where it's going to be highly urbanized, right? And we are going to see people leading very uh, busy on the go lifestyles. So how we give, how we fuel our bodies with nutrition is going to change, right? That is one of the takeaways I took from it. The other three, I'll go away quite fast. The number of people affected by malnutrition is increasing since 2014. An estimated 2 billion people, which is 25% of the global population, did not have regular access to safe and nutritious food in 2019. And lastly, obesity is on the rise in all regions of the world, right? So if you see the last three points that I spoke about, they can very easily be linked with the idea of having access to nutritious food, right? And that's where I believe Planto comes in, right? My company Planto, right? It's, uh, it's, we have two ways of looking at it. Firstly, is the amalgamation of two words, plant and ento, right? So this, is a, this is, shows very strongly where we are focusing in terms of uh, creating our products. We will use plant-based plant ingredients and ento for insect-based ingredients, right? And planto also is a play on the, on the word plenty, which means there is actually more than enough food and resources for us to leverage on in order to feed our increasing population. So we are on a mission to create the best snacks for you and the planet. So how we do this is that we take everyday comfort foods and we innovate them. So many people see indulgence and nutrition as being two different extremes. What we want to do is to look at underutilized ingredients, ingredients that are highly nutritious, that are climate resilient, that are resource efficient, and also tasty at the same time, so that we can bridge the gap between indulgence and nutrition. And we are also committed to creating all our products with no GMOs, hormones, antibiotics, free of gluten, dairy, and soy. As a start, we decided to embark on what we refer to as the healthy chip revolution. Uh, right now, our product is still in formulation. So uh, unfortunately, I'm not able to show you guys a finalized version of what it's going to be. We set out trying to formulate a batch of chips, which is about 20 grams protein per 100 grams. Uh, we are not done with our final formulation yet, but I can say with a lot of happiness that our current prototype is already achieving 28 grams protein per 100 grams. We are trying to push it further and see if we can use just natural ingredients alone and try to achieve more than 30 grams of protein per 100 grams. 
uh, it has been a challenge so far, but we are still working on it. At our current formulation, our product is also low in carbs, low in saturated fat. It is packed with minerals such as magnesium, zinc, uh, potassium, uh, phosphorus, and also our B vitamins. Like I mentioned earlier, we use clean and natural ingredients. We work with a team of food technologists to actually create these uh, chips that we want to bring to market. They contain prebiotic dietary fiber, which is supposed to be very supportive of our gut microbiota. And lastly, we only use ingredients that do not require excessive processing. So to, to actually hit all these points, it wasn't very easy for us as a team. We had to uh, go and look at a whole vast list of ingredients. And, we didn't, and since we are based in Singapore, we did not want to venture too far, like uh, get ingredients that are only uh, grown in Brazil or Peru. We wanted to find ingredients that can be strategically sourced from within Asia and Southeast Asia so that we are also very sustainable in our sourcing need. So just a very quick comparison, right? I've made a comparison here with uh, three other chips brands. The first one is just a very popular brand that makes chips. I did not want to name them. So for, for this brand of chips, they don't try to cater to the health and wellness market. So the only positives they offer is they are soy and dairy free mostly. And they are, they are in very exotic flavors that customers can come on board. Next, we look at a healthy brand that makes multi-grain chips, right? which is supposed to be very uh, low in fat and so on. But they are also packed in carbohydrates, which uh, is not very good to be consumed uh, in large amounts along the day. right? And they don't have minerals and vitamins that uh, we need. Next, we also focus on uh, brands that cater specifically to the fitness market who create things like uh, protein powders, uh, cookies, chips as well. So likewise, they have chips that are high in protein. They have chips that offer a complete amino acid profile. But at the same time, they are formulated mostly using either soy or dairy. So this is where I believe that what we are creating, what we are bringing to a market has a very good place because it's filling an existential gap where it can, it can serve very different demographics, right? Whether they are the people who have nutrient deficiencies, whether they are people who are going for fitness, whether they are those who just lead busy lifestyles and need a quick snack on the go to feel nourished. So some statistics that we found while we were creating our, our uh, snack product is that Snacking in terms of retail value, right, in terms of sales, is rapidly evolving in Asia Pacific. So much so that we have surpassed both the Western Europe and North America regions in 2017. Being based in Singapore, I believe uh, we should honestly take a very good look at the Asia Pacific region since this is where these are the countries where we are based around. But then again, we also do not want to ignore one of the biggest uh, countries in the world in terms of snacking, which is the United States. In 2018, the US was ranked second in savory snack product launches. I think the snacking culture has always been very huge in the US. And this is something that we want to leverage on by bringing on board healthy food snacks. So some data here that shows that what we are doing is very aligned with 
what the typical US consumer wants. About 70% of consumers in the US say that they are willing to give up a familiar favorite snack for one that is high in protein. Likewise, 34% of them want snacks with front of, front of pack protein claims and 24% of millennials actually snack four or more times per day. So why are we looking, uh, targeting the millennials here? Because we believe these are the, this is the demographic that is going to drive uh, the adoption for very novel food ingredients. For many of us, uh, we might kind of uh, be set in our ways. We might not be very open to trying uh, newer products, newer ingredients. So based on our experience working with uh, different groups of people, we have found that millennials are the ones who feel that they have a stronger commitment to environmental sustainability, who actually are more open to trying new and novel experiences when it comes to food, right? So catering to their needs is uh, one of the strong focuses of our company. In terms of business model, uh, we will want to source all our ingredients from Asia. Our production will be in Asia as well. We will start off by working with uh, co-packers uh, and they will help us to optimize our costs. And uh, in distribution wise, of course, like I mentioned earlier, the United States, Japan, South Korea, these are the markets that we will be targeting. And uh, in terms of going to retail, right? We are also not just looking at uh, retailing in supermarkets. We are also trying to work with non-traditional retail like gyms, uh, theme parks, office pantries, where, where people uh, of different uh, genders, different demographics, they are able to mix freely. And we want to be able to offer our product there so that uh, they can look at our product as something that they can use as a form of nourishment in, in their jam-packed lifestyles. And lastly, e-commerce is also another platform that we want to be leveraging on. So Amazon is one that many uh, US consumers are very familiar with. In Asia, we also have e-commerce platforms like Lazada, Shopee and Timo. I am Ravi. I am the CEO of the company. Our CEO is Massimo. He has actually already brought uh, two other insect-based products to market. And this is his third product that he will be launching. Yuvanesh is our CFO who handles all finance matters. At this moment, we are still trying to achieve some milestones before our next funding round. So anyone who wants to learn more of our company or is, is looking to invest is always free to hit me up with a call or a text and we can uh, always discuss further. Perfect. Ravi, thank you so much. Ron, take it from here. Thoughts, ideas, questions. Ravi, that was fascinating. I mean, it's like you, I, you know, if I were you, I might even just sort of say, we are creating a power bar that's a chip. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a new category of product. So, you know, I think, well, I guess I'm going to start with some questions for you. I mean, what do you think, given where you are now, what's Plento's biggest obstacle to success at this point? Uh, right now, the, the market for insect-based products is mainly in the US and uh, in Europe. So one of the challenges that we have that we want to uh, strategically manage is to partner with companies who have the expertise with logistics and distribution in these countries. Because we are very confident that we can create a very healthy product at a fraction of the cost of what uh, others might be able to do in these very developed countries, right? Okay. So our biggest challenge right now is uh, going to be getting our products into uh, on the shelves in Europe and possibly the US. I would tend to agree, like it's, 
I mean, you have a very, for a food company, you have a very elaborate plan because Singapore is a small market. You, mm -hmm. you want to sell in other regional markets and also in the United States. I think revenue wise, in terms of profits, uh, that makes a lot of sense. But then you, you kind of need to, I mean, I have a lot of questions then, I mean, that are kind of sort of a little in the gray area from the deck, which is that, you know, how much money are you making from every bag of chips? How much is it going to cost? I mean, there's a lot of, there is a general rule that the more food value you put into a food product, the more it's going to cost. And so yeah. how are you, you know, how, what's the, can you say like, what's the secret there? How do you get more food value for less? Is I don't think it's because insects are cheap, The insect protein flowers, it's cheaper, but it's, it's certainly more sustainable, but it's not super cheap, right? So, so how does that work for you? Okay, uh, what we have done is that we have, uh, we have strictly kept all our sourcing to be within Southeast Asia at the moment. Initially, we were looking at Asia, the broader scale, but as we fine tune our ingredients, we were very strongly committed to just using ingredients that can be found within Southeast Asia alone. So by doing this, we were able to bring our operating costs, our production costs down to a, a very small uh, price point. If, if let's say uh, you would want to know more details in terms of uh, how much it costs to produce 100 grams of chips compared to other brands, there is something that I can always uh, take with you on a separate okay. call. I mean, okay, then maybe we should talk afterwards, but I, I would think that like anybody who is listening to the pitch today, probably is starting to think like, how much is that bag going to cost if it's in a grocery store in, mm -hmm. in Iowa? Is it going to be $5 for a 12 ounce bag? You know, and, and so you need to do something to sort of like, you say you lower the cost, but you know, people would love to hear exactly how, how, how affordable this is. If it's 89 cents for a 12 ounce bag at retail, that's mm -hmm. like a freaking miracle. And so, you know, how the Jesus chip, you know, how, 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 how good is it? You know, I think people would like to know. And if you have something that really is that impactful, you know, it's really in your advantage to tell everybody about it. Um, I know some of those numbers are difficult to sort of uh, to open up, but you know, it, it sounds like this, one of the strongest parts of your, your pitch, right? That you have a special product, you're a product-based company. Another thing, a question I have is, well, how about the branding? Have you guys started doing some branding? I mean, you're, you have a lot of market research, but have you yourselves done some focus tests and this kind of thing? Uh, we are we are currently uh, working on the branding as well because right now we don't want to brand our product as uh, strictly being based on uh, just plants alone or just insects alone because uh, the insect-based industry uh, is not as established or doesn't have the scale that plant-based companies have, right? So some of the challenges that we faced is in terms of how do we exactly brand a company like that? So for us right now, we are focusing on showcasing how we can be very sustainable, right? Yeah. When people think of Plento, we want people to understand that this is a brand that, that puts sustainability first and without compromising on nutrition and taste. This is the kind of branding that we will bring about. Right. Well, I think, you know, everything, you know, but on the other hand, you know, when you're ready, everything helps. Like I think uh, imagining a bag that will sell in Korea and Japan and the United States, it's like, it kind of boggles my mind. And so, you know, you can maybe talk a little bit about what you know. I mean, maybe the thing to do is to have three separate brands for each market, you know? Mm -hmm. And also I kind of, I gotta say, like, I thought it was kind of funny how you said like, like the United States of Europe are like the biggest markets for insect, 
insect-based products, mm-hmm. which is funny because when I see people pitch insect-based products here, they talk about how people eat insects in some places in Asia. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> so, you know, uh, yeah, I, you know, I think it's good to, you know, I think the picture, if those were your chips in the picture, that was very helpful to you. But, you know, you need to do something besides showing, basically the deck was the label of the chips. And mm-hmm. I think what you want to do is you, you, you know, in food, you want to show the product. Just like I was saying to say to Jeff earlier, like you got to show what you're doing. You have 28% is pretty close and it may never kick over to 30. And so, mm-hmm. you know, get the most credit you have for what you do now and, yeah. uh, and show us some chips and show us some bag prototypes if you have them or at least you know, the designs. You know, just to show, get credit for all the work that you're doing. And you can just say, this is a preliminary design. We are, this is, we're still in progress, but this is what we have. Uh, people in food love to see, love to see a real product. <laughs> you know, they, 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 they really don't get out of bed unless there's, unless there's a bag or something put in their mouth. And so, uh, you know, those are the biggest things I think I see from your deck. You know, I, but like I say, ultimately people ask, like, if I'm going to sell this for $5, in the Midwestern United States, that could be a very heavy lift, almost no matter how much nutrition's in the bag. And so yeah. you need to like give people a little break there and, and, and at least relieve their anxiety about the pricing. I think because earlier, also, earlier you gave your, your pricing in, uh, in I'm sorry, you gave your weight in, in ounces. So 12 ounce, uh, I believe is about 340 grams. So right now, uh, I think what, what we are looking to achieve or the price point, we, we have it closer to about five of four to five US dollars. That that is the value that we have in our mind, right? But uh, as as our product gets ready, then I think we would be closer to the final figure that we can bring to market. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Ravi. Ron, thank you so much. And uh, also today for the tenth episode, this is almost it for top floor. And actually, we usually. Um, bottom line, always our uh, top floor. Ron, what are your thoughts on Jeff's spirulina secret sauce? Are you interested and intrigued to hear more, connect, and uh, and double down? And uh, you know, it was yeah. Today, and I'm, I I will be connecting with you guys on LinkedIn to talk a little bit later, uh, hopefully in the, in the coming week. So I've got some ideas for you guys. Thanks for awesome. having me. Okay. Well, that's great. So Jeff, uh, we all uh, be connecting Ron with Jeff. And how about having after a workout some chips with a lot of proteins, uh, Ron? Are you uh, uh, intended to meet with Ravi? And, and let's, have, let's have a distant chip party. No, but I'll be talking to both you guys. It'll be fun. Yeah. Well, uh, awesome. We, we want some samples. <laughs> Everybody in food wants samples. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And from our side, Awesome Ventures representing the CBC, I would also be curious to meet with Jeff and Ravi. So we have two yeses on both sides. And we like to uh, uh, wrap up our broadcasting always with the quote that is uh, shaped and marked my life with I learned to phrase, which goes like this, never forget where you come from. It keeps you humble. But where you come from cannot limit you where you want to go. Thank you so much, Jeff, Ron, and Ravi. All the best. Thanks for participating. See you around. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye, guys.